Hi, I'm Blake Repine and welcome to Strategy, Leadership and Impact. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Hope you've been well since the last time you, you had a listen here. Uh, good to be back with you. If you like the, the podcast, again, you're getting a lot out of it and you feel like it's something that uh, of value, if you could go on whatever platform you listen on, give us a like, give us a review. It helps just promote us in the rankings on, on the different platforms and it, it you know makes it available for more people to see and, and makes it easier for people to find. The other good thing is that you know, I would have mentioned in previous podcasts, my, my first book is out, uh, Soldier to Executive, Applying Army Leadership Principles to the Corporate World. It's actually been doing quite well. I've been very surprised of, of the uptake in it and actually how many people have been buying the book and the response that, that I've gotten so far. And, um, you know, that's available on all the major online platforms, Amazon, Google, Apple, uh, depending on whether or not you want a, a hard copy paperback or if you want a ebook, you know, just go on whatever site that you normally buy your books on, and it's probably available there. Fish Pond Booktopia here in Australia. Uh, it's available in the UK, Canada. It's in available available in about nearly thirty countries, I believe, right now. If you do buy the book again, you like it, getting something out of it, go on whatever platform you bought it from, and give me a review, give me a like. I really appreciate it. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, on to today's subject. What I want to talk about is strategy maps, and this is something that I've been using for. Quite some time. I actually learned about it during my MBA. Uh, for reading an article, this came from an article that appeared in the Harvard Business Review or was printed in the Harvard Business Review uh, in September 1st, 2000 by Robert Kaplan, David Norton. And the title of the article was Having Trouble with Your Strategy, Then Map It. And reading this article, it, it actually brought a lot of things together for me in regard to strategy and it, and it gave me a good perspective on how to look at a strategic plan or an organization strategy from a strategic level all the way down to a very operational level, very basic foundational level, and making sure that there is alignment across all of it. And I've used this in several ways. One way I've used it is I've actually taken the strategy map and whenever I'm new to an organization, I'll look at the current strategy and I'll use this map to map out what the organization currently looks like. And, and it gives me a clear vision of whether or not, one, how the how the organization creates value or how they actually produce or deliver their, their services or products. And also uh, the alignment within the organization is it there. It helps me identify gaps in the organization where I can go in and create some sort of whether it be an efficiency or or realign certain things in order to achieve those uh, strategic goals. And I found quite a bit of success using this model. And one of the things at the end of the article, it's, you know, basically gives a, a few last paragraphs, gives a kind of a kind of a disclaimer at the end of the article saying, you know, there's no one way to do strategy. There's no secret formula that helps you develop and achieve a strategy that helps you really move an organization forward. But the thing is, this is something else that you can have in your toolbox. And this is one of the things I've put in my business toolbox that, again, being able to tailor this to organizations without changing the, the, the basics or without changing the, the intent of the strategy map has helped me to achieve you know, a good deal of success. So 
the strategy map. And of course, I'll put a link to that article in the show notes if you want to uh, click on it and go have a read of the article. I'll see if there's a way I can put one of the copies of uh, how I've kind of done it up in the show notes. Um, I'm sure there's some way I can do that. But anyway, whenever you're looking at the strategy map, it's broken down into various perspectives. And, and basically, there's four different perspectives as you build your strategy map. Kaplan and Norton actually suggest you start at the top of the strategy map and work your way down. And I've actually developed a system where I initially start at the top, at the very top perspective, and that's normally your financial perspective. Now, that's usually for a for-profit organization. If you're in a, a government organization or a nonprofit organization, you might have that perspective as you know your customers or clients or whatever market you're trying to, to serve as, as that perspective. And then I'll come back down to the bottom, which is your learning and growth perspective, and I'll work my way back up through the next two perspectives, which is the internal process perspective and the stakeholder perspective. And then, of course, that leads to that financial perspective. So starting at the top financial perspective, and sometimes I like to call it the helicopter perspective. So within this helicopter perspective, you have you can break down your your strategy really in two major areas. And one of that is the productivity strategy and the growth strategy. And under the productivity strategy, you know, we typically have improving the organization's cost structure and increasing asset utilization. One of the things, as we increase our efficiencies and things within the organization, we actually create capacity because we free up capacity. We free up people's time and capacity. And there's a couple things you can do with that. One is you can, is you can reduce the size of your workforce. So you can either let that happen through natural attrition. You know, as people retire, move on to other roles, you don't replace them. Or you can actually, you know, go through a, a series of layoffs or redundancies and get rid of people. But a lot of times that's not, you know, that is a cost savings, but it's not necessarily, you know, the, the best thing to do. And another thing you could do, though, is you have these people who now have extra time and you can repurpose them. And that is increasing your asset utilization. Your people are an asset, whether it be, you know, working on efficiencies within your, your plant and equipment or your personnel. As you create efficiencies, you create capacity and how you fill that capacity, how you increase that asset utilization, what do you actually have it doing? makes a massive difference. So you want to actually repurpose those people, repurpose that equipment, repurpose whatever it is to value add activities. So, and I'll give you an example of that. One organization I worked with, we actually went in and we automated their payroll system. And as an organization, about 450 people. So not, not huge, but not small either. And they actually had two people that all they solely did was their payroll. And by automating it, we there still need to be some checks and things like that that had to be done. Um, there still needed to be, you know, a process review, someone managing the process. And that actually dropped back to about a half-time equivalent, so about a, a 0.5 full-time equivalent. And so now we had, you know, 1.5 full-time equivalent that we no longer needed. So what do we do with them? We actually repurposed one of those people to a project to do an implementation of a new finance system. And we repurposed half of the other person's time to work in the marketing team. So who actually needed some more support around some social media programs and and some of the campaigns there. So instead of getting rid of people, we actually repurposed them. I've seen this happen before. I've actually done it before as well, where we automated a few process for organization and literally overnight, 20% of their workforce becomes redundant. They're no longer needed. So one organization, for example, we actually repurposed more people into 
customer service roles. And that actually increased their level of customer service. And through that, you actually saw their their rankings in different areas go up and you actually saw more customers coming to them. So improving your cost structure, you know, leaning the organ doesn't necessarily mean leaning the organization down. It can mean making the organization more effective, more efficient. And then as you do that, you create capacity and how you fill that capacity, how you increase that asset utilization, how you get more out of people, more out of machines, more out of processes can really make a big difference in the organization. And by increasing asset utilization, it doesn't mean wasting more of your people's time. Again, you want your people in your organization to be working on value-add activities, not just showing up, doing processes. Some example of uh, processes that don't value-add to organizations is your accounts processing and accounts receivable. If you have people sitting there still doing paper-based processes within these things, those are not value-add activities. Yes, it's processing the funds in and out but it's not a value add. Tell me how that adds value to the organization. It, it, it kind of doesn't. So you really got to look at what are your people doing? How does it add value to the organization? If it doesn't add value to the organization, how can you automate it or digitize it or outsource it? And then how can you actually repurpose your people for value add activities? Uh, and then the other side, of course, of that strategic view, you know, helicopter perspective is that growth strategy. So, and that's broken down into two parts. It's enhanced stakeholder value. So these are your current clients, customers, markets, whatever it is, how do you enhance value to them in order to make your client retention, customer retention, whatever it might be? And the other side of that, of course, is expand opportunities. How do you expand opportunities in order to offer either more services, more products, additional products? You know, you have certain products which could be complementary or certain services which could be complementary to what you're currently providing. And I actually took another organization through this once and we actually looked at their current stakeholders, their current customers. It was a retail uh, store. And with that, we identified ways in which we could sell to their current customers that would make things easier for them. So the method in which we sold to them and delivered to them. And then we actually identified the top products and we went out on this new platform to sell and we expanded the market. So they used to be very physical based sales. So face-to-face was the only way you could really get a hold of them or you had to pick up and ring them. So we actually moved to an online platform and we actually went from a self-delivery to using a delivery service and actually expanded their client base, their customer base outside of their current city. So actually they went they went nationally with that. And they, whenever you see what that does to the bottom line, uh, the profit and loss, it actually increased it tremendously. But also too, on the back end, we, we went you know by that productivity strategy before we did this and we improved their cost structure. We made them incredibly efficient. This is one of those organizations that overnight 20% of their workforce became redundant. So we repurposed them to this to support this new platform, repurposed them into sales, repurposed them into marketing, and actually increased their net profit by about 52% overnight. And then we went and okay, let's increase the gross profit, but keep those same margins. And it worked out incredibly well for the organization. So once we we figured out all these things, we're going to come back down to the very bottom of the strategy map. And the very bottom there is the learning and growth perspective. And this is broken down into three areas. Of course, the first one is human capital. So these are your people, their skills, training, knowledge, etc. And then you have your information capital. This is your systems, databases, network processes, whatever your people might use in order to get their, their tasks done. And you could actually break this down into just capital and have your plant and equipment in their um, facilities, whatever it might be. And then the last pillar of this is your organization capital. 
This is your culture, your leadership, your alignment, your teamwork. This is, you know, if, if you had to break down all three of these, yes, they're all three important, but I believe that that organizational capital is probably the most important piece of this entire puzzle. Because the next, next step up of that, you look across all three of these and you, you know, see, is there alignment and is there readiness? So within your strategic job families, your strategic asset portfolio, your organization change agenda, is there alignment? If there's not alignment across these, uh, particularly that organizational capital area, it's going to be incredibly difficult for you to achieve any strategic vision or any strategic plan just because everybody has to be aligned. It doesn't mean that everybody necessarily has to always agree and get along and there's never going to be any conflict, but everybody has to be aligned about where the organization go- is going and how you're going to get there. And then you know, looking at your human capital and your strategic job families, I say strategic job families, and if you're in a small business, you might say, well, we don't have strategic job families, but you probably do, but they might only be one person or it could be something that's been outsourced. An example of this is your strategic job families is your human resources unit, your finance unit, your marketing team, you know, you might have an operations team, you might have a team of researchers, you might have a team of people who build your product, you know, your, your sales team, that's a strategic job family, your manufacturing team, that's a strategic job family, people who work within the same functions. Again, you might have them on a very small scale or they could be outsourced. You know, your finance team could be your accountant that you outsource to. Your HR team could be that HR consultant that you outsource to. Your manufacturing team could be someone overseas, you know, internationally. Again, I worked with one organization. They sourced all their products and have them manufactured and packaged overseas. So they actually brought them in and then they actually sold them. You know, that, that's your strategic job uh, family though. And how you actually maintain relationships is, is where you really dig down into it. But you could actually write out, you know, strategic job families in all these different areas of what you currently have in your organization. And you can identify areas and you go, oh, you know what? We, we've seen some growth lately. We're reaching about a hundred or so staff members doing these things and we actually don't have a dedicated human resources person. I think it's about time that we create a a human resources role because you're getting big enough that your organization needs that support. Or it could be that, you know, you've grown to the point to where, okay, now let's look at bringing part of the finance team or the whole finance team in-house rather than outsourcing to, you know, accountant firm or whatever it might be. Or, you know, the the example I gave of the organization that had all their product manufactured and packaged overseas, they were actually, there was actually a decision to do that because they were actually pulling the raw products initially from those overseas sources and then manufacturing put them together here. And their, the challenge was their, their workforce. It was an aging workforce. It was a very expensive workforce. Also, it was incredibly inefficient having to double handle products because they would have to bring it in assemble, package, and then put it out. And it actually caused them to have a, a great deal of space for this manufacturing area. So we went back to those suppliers of those raw materials. They actually had the capacity to completely manufacture and package those materials. And, and once they got in, all we were doing then was warehousing them in order to distribute uh, to the customers. And that was a conscious decision. So by looking at the strategic job families, we actually, and, and the strategic asset portfolio, we actually made that decision to do that. So then you look at the strategic asset portfolio, again, that was what I said was your information capital, systems, databases, network processes, et cetera. Typically, what I find is organizations, they'll, they'll buy one system or some online platform or whatever to address one area of the business, and they don't look at integration and with all their other systems, and they don't actually look at how, as you improve processes in certain areas, there will be these secondary tertiary effects and other processes within the business and and you got to constantly be looking at these things 
And whenever you're looking at systems and databases and networks and things, you have to look at integration in across the organization. Now, because if there's not integration, you're probably not going to get the efficiencies that you that you want. So you really have to, to be aware of this. And whenever you look at implementation or you look at how something's used, you need to look across the whole organization. One example of this is an organization I uh, did some work for. We went through a digitization process and, and automation. And with that, there were certain things that set outside the system that we purchased that we actually, it wouldn't affect. We, we needed to integrate in with that system. We needed to talk to it. Uh, in order to really get the efficiencies that we wanted. So we actually hired a software engineer who came in. He wrote a few APIs, a couple programs, did some integration with some different programs so that they talked to each other. And it was incredible the amount of efficiencies that we, we received from that process as we were having to take information out of one system, put it in another system, take it out of that system, put it back in the other system, etc. Sometimes across two or three different platforms, we were able to reduce that time, what typically would take two to three days of someone's time, literally someone sitting there two or three days, double handling, triple handling information down to minutes. So, and the amount of employee satisfaction that you get from that is incredible because people are actually able to accomplish their job. It's easier. Again, you're not wasting their time while they're at work. Um, it's just something really good that you have to look at. So you have to really look at how well it all integrates. And then next we move up to that internal process perspective. And some of the stuff I've already talked about will kind of fit into this. So this is breaking down into four areas. You have your operations management, your stakeholder management, innovation, and social and regulatory. So in your operations management, this is how you produce and deliver your services or your products. Whatever it is that your company does, how do you actually manage that process? And then the next part of the course is your stakeholder management. Again, this kind of comes back up to that initial part of that growth strategy. Your stakeholder management, you know, how are you enhancing your stakeholder value? You have these products and services that you're producing. How do you continue to enhance your stakeholder value? How do you make your organization or your product, your service more attractive to your customers or clients? How do you actually increase their satisfaction? So that example I gave around, you know, those processes being reduced from three days to minutes that actually increased the client satisfaction because they were actually getting a quicker turnaround on their service and it actually reduced their cost. So instead of costs blowing out because of you know things taking too long, it, it actually reduced their cost as well. So you want to make a customer happy, offer them a better service, a quicker service, a higher level service at a cheaper cost, and I'll guarantee they're going to be incredibly happy. And the next part there is innovation, creating new services. And a lot of times there's different types of innovation. Innovation isn't coming up necessarily coming up with something new that's going to just rock the business world or, you know, rock your, your industry that you're in. Innovation for you, you have sustaining innovation as well, which is a slight differentiation of what you're currently doing that is new to your business, not necessarily new to your market, but new to your business. And you could be a front runner in this. You could be the first one in your market or in your industry to bring this new service in. And it could be a service that's set in another industry, another market previously. And that's okay because, again, you're doing this to increase that, enhance that stakeholder value. You're also doing it to you know, gain new customers and new clients. So look at what you're doing. Look at those complementary services. And then you got to look at your barriers to entry as well and what's your capability to, to enter those. Sometimes you can look at a new innovation, a new service, a new product with a low entry barrier to do that in order to support you know moving into a service or product that has a high entry barrier. You know, whatever you do within that, just, just always keep looking at new services, new opportunities, because they will present themselves. 
And then once you decide, you know, what you're going to do, go and do it, do your plan and do it. And then also too with that, have a plan to exit it as well if it doesn't work out. So you, sometimes you're going to have to try and test. Whenever you try and test, actually put a full effort into it. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, have you know certain, whether it be indicators, some sort of benchmark that if you're not reaching it, you cut it off. You just stop it, okay? Because you don't want this new thing dragging your business down. And then, of course, the last area there is the social and regulatory, how you're improving the community and how you're maintaining compliance. I can tell you some industries maintaining compliance, the social regulatory side of it, the regulatory side of it is incredibly onerous. But how do you use that to your strategic advantage? An example of this is local governments here in Australia. There's over 4,500 compliance areas that they have to meet. You could literally hire a whole team that does nothing but compliance and focuses on compliance. But how do you look at the regulatory side of things? And use that as a strategic advantage. You can use some of the compliance things in order or some of the compliance measures that you have to meet in order to actually gain efficiencies. If you if you but you don't want to focus totally on compliance. You want to be compliant, of course. And a lot of the compliance comes back to that organizational capital, that culture and that leadership. If it's not good, meeting those regulatory compliance things are going to be incredibly difficult if you have people that are immoral and ethical. And if you listen to any of my other previous podcasts, you know that I'm very big on those things. Uh, and then the social side of it, how do you improve the community? Of course, some organizations, this is their job. If you're a not-for-profit in certain areas, if you're a local government or a state government, that is one of your tenets that you will improve the community. That, that's one of the things you should be working for anyway. But nowadays, it, and it's, it's very popular that most corporations – most organizations, some way, you know, their social responsibility, they want to improve the community, whether it be the environment, whether it be, you know, the social aspects of the community, whatever it might be, they want to, to do that. And it's not about, it's not necessarily a marketing ploy. It's whenever you have the true intent to honestly, genuinely improve the community, it comes off very well. And it actually leads to your organization's reputation, which actually comes up to the next, the next layer, that next perspective. And that's a stakeholder perspective. This is how do people look at your organization and what do they see? So, and this is kind of breaking down into, there's multiple areas in this, but there's there's one main area in this. This is your value proposition, and that's the overarching bit. And then it's broken down underneath that into three different areas. So the first one is your product and service attribute. The next one is your relationship. And then the last one is your image. I want to say your last one is the one on the right-hand side of the page. But your product and service attribute, and this is whenever you look at the products or services, whatever it is your, your organization produces and delivers, it's the quality. Is it of quality? How does the quality match with other competitors within your market? The availability and selection. I feel like the the availability, selection, and functionality are the next three areas. And I think that these kind of, they, they all four, of course, go hand in hand, but these three in particular. Is the product there when they need it? or the service there when they need it, is your selection of, of products, you know, the, the color variations within your product, the sizes that within your product, or the selection of the services, your menu of services that you deliver, or the menu that your restaurant delivers. And then the functionality, does it work? Is it useful? Is it relevant? So these things you have to look forward, look at. Sometimes I've seen people try to put a product or service into an, a market or an industry, and they really just try to force it in there. And well, it's not it's not functional. It's not relevant for whatever it is you're trying to do. So you have to look at that and go, is this something we discontinue or is this something that's actually better suited somewhere else? Again, the selection, the availability, 
Are the services that we're offering, are they holistic for what our client needs? Is the product we're offering, does it actually fit you know, the customer's needs? And then the next bit within under this value proposition is relationship. So this is service and partnership. I think these, to me, they're, they're, there's two sides of it. Does your organization want to provide a, what type of relationship is your organization building with the person? Is it a one-off relationship where they're just coming in, you know, your retail, get as many people through, sell as many products as you can, add as many number, add as many lines as you can to the, to the receipt, and they're out the door and that's it. You don't really create any kind of brand loyalty. You don't really, you know, build a relationship or is it, you know, that client-based relationship where you're trying to build a a long-term relationship with the customer, with the client, so you truly understand who they are, what their needs are. And I can tell you by doing that, by focusing on building that relationship, and you can do this too in, in any industry, by doing that, you will actually create higher customer and client retention. You'll create a better level of or higher level of employee satisfaction as well. Because human nature, we, we want relationships, we crave relationships. And building partnerships with your customers or clients, and this is where you're going on that, that journey together, you know, hand in hand, side by side, whatever you want to call it. So you're both experiencing it and you understand each other very well and you can better meet the needs of that customer or client. And then, of course, that, that last area is image, your brand. When people think about your organization, what do they think of? You know, what goes beyond a, a logo, so to speak? What kind of personality? This is where I tell people, if you want to know your image of brand, ask people if they could describe your business as a person. If you could describe your business as a person, what kind of person would it be? You know, and whenever you do this, you come up with this pers- these personality traits you know, not necessarily what it, and it could be what it looks like, you know, what it sounds like when it talks, um, what are its habits, you know, what, what's the, but the biggest thing is what's the personality like? And as you describe it, how does that picture start to emerge of what your organization looks like? And then you go ask your clients, your customers that, you know, if you could describe the organization as a person, what would it be? What would his personality be like? And that's the big one. What's the personality like? And whenever you do that, if there's a disconnect between what you think it is and what your customers are saying it is, you, you have a problem. And you need to to fix that again. Your brand, your image—is it some something? And that that personality that you talk about describing your organization as—is your organization something that someone would want to spend time with? Something that someone would want to be in a partnership with? You know, or is it someone someone would want to be a friend with? You know, depending on what type of organization you want, you could want a very professional relationship. But is it someone that someone can identify with and be in a partnership with? So anyway, that's the strategy in a nutshell. And these are all building blocks within your strategy and how you can break down the strategic plan of the organization, break down how the organization works, identify gaps, identify errors for opportunity. And this is something you should probably be looking at. Uh, I say if, if you're new in a role, I would use it definitely within the first 90 days or use it over that whole you know kind of first 90 day period in order to really get a good vision of the organization. And then as you make changes in the organization, pull it out and do it again. Check it again. Constantly keep revisiting these things. If you want to do it quarterly, every six months, whatever, at least do it at some point. Anytime you go through any major change, major implementation of a new platform, whatever, let it run for about 30 days, 45 days, and then pull this back out, pull the strategy map back out, and go through it again and see what has changed that you didn't expect would change. 
because I'll guarantee something has. Um, get it, make it your own. This is this is probably my key takeaway with this whole thing. Make it your own. I said I, I've used it. I've come up with a process and how I used it. It's helped me to be successful. Read the article. Listen to this podcast. Talk to other people who view something similar. But make it your own. Make it something that you can use in order to be successful. And I'll guarantee as long as you have this process down or have something down, some kind of formula that works for you, you'll be successful. All right. I'd like to hear your thoughts and comments on this subject. If you have any questions or, or comments you'd like to make to me about it, please feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at blakerepine at gmail.com or look me up on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me there too. Just search my name, Blake Repine. I'm on there. Be more than happy to have a chat with you. If there's anything else you'd like for me to, to talk about in one of these podcasts, please feel free to send me a message. There's been quite a few people that have done that. Anyway, hope you have a great time and we'll talk to you again soon.